Well, I'm preaching without notes, which means I could go 50 minutes really easily. I'll try not to. No, but seriously, I want us to hear what God has for us today. He has something for us from this very, very familiar passage. And um, it's so familiar that you probably already know what God is going to say to you. But I have a feeling that as we get through, as we work through this and unpack like a, like a gift that's been given to us from God, and we unpack it today, that we'll discover some treasures that we haven't seen before. Mark chapter 4 is where we're at, and we're just going to dive right into that passage. Would you stand with me one more time in honor of God's Word? And we're going to read, um, I will read out loud while you listen, Mark chapter 4, we're going we're gonna to read verses 1 through 20. We're going to take a, a good chunk of this chapter today and see what God has for us. Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Again he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And, he, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and they may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And, those are the, and these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while, then... When tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, may the words 
of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be honoring, glorifying, and acceptable to you in your sight, my God, my rock, and my redeemer. Amen. Would you please be seated? So the thing I would like us to, to talk about today, and 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 kind of take these these uh, these passages in turn, this these twenty verses in turn, is that the kingdom grows um, by a miracle, by a mystery, and by multiplication. There we go. There's my three a.m. statement. Whew, it's a good thing I had my 3 a.m. statement, guys. Some of you preacher guys will, will know what I'm talking about. The kingdom grows by a miracle, by a mystery, and by multiplication. So let's set the scene. Jesus is again teaching by the sea. And a very large crowd gathers. Uh, again, he is he's pressed in. There's not a whole lot of room. So he gets into a boat, and he's going to go out on the sea, and he's going to sit in the boat, or stand in the boat, and he's going to teach to the people while they're on the land. He's on the sea, they're on the land. Now, there may be some significance, uh, spiritual significance for some of that, but uh, just think practically with me uh, about um, some p- possible geography. Um, in the, around the Sea of Galilee, near the ancient city of Capernaum, which is still uh, occupied to this day. If you were to take a trip to the Sea of Galilee, you would see the old ruins. You would see the ruins of the synagogue. You would see the ruins of Peter's house, what, what, what people understand to be Peter's house there. Um, the house in which probably the roof was removed. The house in which probably, back in, in chapter 1, um, uh, Jesus went in and healed um, Peter's uh, mother-in-law. Um, I heard somebody say one time that it was a miracle that he didn't ask for, but Jesus did nonetheless. Um, I wish my mother-in-law was here because it would have been a lot better if she would have heard that. Um, but uh, we love each other and we give each other a hard time. But this is the, this area um, near Capernaum uh, has a sloping hillside going up. And a little bay. And so if you were out on a boat or on the edge of the shore, you could turn around and face the hillside and you have what's basically a natural amphitheater. A place in which you could speak to thousands of people with your, without a microphone. Yeah, without a microphone, and they would hear you very well. So he, so there's some practical reasons for him doing this, along with the fact that Mark has already been telling us that the crowds are going crazy. They're going nutso about Jesus. They, they want to be near him. They want to hear what he has to say, and they want healing. They want him to do something for him. And so he is crowded again, gets out on the sea, and then he begins to to teach them parables. Now, let me give you a quick word about parables. Y'all know what a parable is? A st- some of first thing you, you, people usually say is, "Oh, uh, a parable is a story," right? Well, y- yeah, it, it's a. It can be a story like this story. This is sort of a story. It's a, a situation. It's a scenario. Um, you know the parable of the, the Good Samaritan, the parable of the prodigal son. Maybe you've heard those before. Those are, those are good stories. They're little homely tales that have a point to them. Well, parables um, are anything, anything that is 
ranging from a story to maybe even just an illustration or a, a metaphor or a simile. In fact, back in chapter 3, we looked at this last week, it, Jesus called the people to him and said to them in parables... Chapter 3, verse 23, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, it cannot stand, right? He, he, he tells parables, he's giving illustrations, he's sharing metaphors about something that has a point. And all of the parables that God, or that Jesus taught, had a point. The challenge for us, then, is to discern what is his point. And that's, that's the challenge. And the uh, other challenge is that we not turn every parable that he told into an allegory. Which means every, every thing in the parable means something with spiritual significance. Um, if you want to, to hear about a possible example of that, I won't share it, but in... Um, in a book called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth, the authors of that book describe a parable, or they describe Augustine's unpacking of the parable of the Good Samaritan. And wow, man, I didn't know that every little detail in that story had some other hidden meaning. Probably doesn't. He might have been wrong with that. Sorry, Augustine. Um, he may have been wrong in his interpretation of that parable. The point of the parables usually comes from the context that it, that it happens in. And, um, and, and we, have, we actually have um, the, uh, the help, the benefit of having Jesus actually explain this parable. And, and then teach us about understanding parables, which really helps us out. Because when we're trying to figure out, well, what's, who's the sower? And what's, what's the seed that he's sowing? And, and what's the path and the rocky ground and the thorns and, the, and, and all of that? We have some help with that. And um, so, we have this parable of the sower in which Jesus says, listen. And he tells the, tells the parable. And then we have this other scene in which Jesus was telling the parable, but then in verse 10, he's alone with those around him in the 12. So the 12 disciples who he'd just called to himself and said, you, I want you to be with me. I'm choosing you out of all of the people. I'm choosing you knuckleheads to be with me, to spend time with me, and then to go and be sent out to preach the gospel, and have authority over evil spirits. You, 12, you're going to be with me. And so the 12 were there, and a few others, and it was a smaller setting. It probably wasn't on the boat anymore. We're, he, this is Mark's way of sort of um, doing a flash forward in the story and telling us about, a, 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 like maybe later that evening or the next day or something, where they're asking, him about the parables. Why are you teaching the people in parables? So we have that scene there, and Jesus explains some stuff, but then he goes back to then, let me tell you what this parable actually meant. So we have the telling of the parable, the explanation, um, excuse me, um, Jesus um, teaching about parables and understanding parables, and then we have him giving the actual explanation. It looks like a sandwich. Looks like a sand. We talked about that last week. 
There was a sandwich last week of Jesus being, um, being uh, Jesus' family trying to get him, and then an interaction with the scribes, and then at the end of that, Jesus' family trying to get him and, and try to, you know, hey, Jesus, what are you doing? You're going crazy. We've got to get you home and put, a, put a, a cold cloth on your head and check your fever because yeah, you, you don't, you're not sounding or doing things that normal, normal people would do. That we saw that, that sandwich in the story last week, and now here we are again seeing the same kind of thing. And we learned last week, and I, I tried to help you guys understand that when you have that happening, in, especially in the Gospel of Mark, happens four or five or six times, but when you have that happen, the key to understanding the outside material is what's on the inside. You know, that's really what we care about. You know, your bread you know, it may not, you may not get wheat bread. You may end up getting white bread from the deli. But what's on the inside is the meat and the cheese and all the good stuff. And you're like, eh, the bread's not quite what it... But the, the inside is what has the meaning. And that's, that's part of the key of understanding this. So, what does Jesus say? Sowers sowing seeds, this and that, thorns, rocks, all of that... In the middle of the uh, in the middle of the, the parables, both the telling and the explanation, Jesus says this word: "To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God." The parable that Jesus is telling is about the kingdom of God. H- hence, the kingdom grows. He's trying to teach us about how the kingdom grows. From, the, from day one, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, Jesus came into Galilee and he began preaching. And he, what was he doing? He was declaring, he was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. He's been... He's been preaching the kingdom of God this whole time. And now he's using parables to give his disciples and to give us understanding about the kingdom of God. And then he says, look, you are my twelve. You are, these, you are the disciples who are following me. You're the ones who are spending time with me. You are here to do my word and to obey me and to be sent out by me. And to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. In other words, those outside this crowd, they don't get it. They don't have insight. And so, he quotes Isaiah chapter 6 there, a passage in which um, Isaiah the prophet, who had been, uh, here am I, send me. I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll go wherever you want me to go, God. And so God says to him, okay, go and speak to the people. They're going to, they're going to listen to you, but they're not really going to hear you. They're going to see you, but they're not really going to perceive anything. They're not going to... They're not going to listen to you. They're not going to respond to the message. So there's Jesus quoting from Isaiah saying, that's what's going on here. That's what's going on all around me. And then, only in Mark, does, does he quote Jesus saying, do you not understand this parable? In other words, do you not know this parable? How then will you know or comprehend any of the parables. 
So it kind of gives a little jibe at the disciples because they need some help too. They don't understand everything. They don't understand all of these things. So right in the middle of this section, Jesus is explaining how to understand, how to hear about the kingdom of God. The kingdom grows. And I, I said, that, I said the, the, the main idea was that the kingdom grows by a miracle and by a mystery and by multiplication. And that miracle is in the telling of the story of the parable. Telling of the parable. We got the sower and, the, and sowing the seeds. And we know that there are seeds that are scattered along a path, along a kind of a hard-packed ground, and the birds just come right down and they just pick it up. Gone. Um, I've discovered that um, it, the seeds do not even have to be on hard ground, and the birds will still come and pick up the seeds and, and take them away. In fact, the birds will also come and try to take away my cherries after they've already started to grow on my tree. And that really drives me crazy. Hopefully that's not going to happen this year. Um, and then we, we know the seed fell on the rocky ground. There wasn't enough soil to, to grow really good roots. We know that it, it fell on the ground among thorns. And it, it grew up, but, but the thorns choked it out. Because the, the thorns, the thistles, the weeds were taking up all the nutrients. Um, and it didn't grow. And then we know that there's good soil. But see, what would, it, what the, what would the impact have been on uh, Jesus' hearers? They understand sowing. They know about people sowing seeds. They live in an agricultural um, land or area. They, they understand about sowing in the spring and waiting for the harvest. And they understand about, yeah, those are the kinds of things you want to avoid if you're sowing seeds. Some of the folks might have been going, well, well, this sower was kind of indiscriminate and he should have been a little more careful where he sowed the seeds, right? Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's, some of us might think that. But check out what happens at the end. Even if we did some math here, and we said, well, one-fourth of the seeds were in good soil, and the other three-quarters were in bad soil. I don't, think, I don't think Jesus is trying to get us to do math, but just think about only a little bit of it got on good soil. But what happened? It yielded a crop. It produced grain, fruit, whatever, yielding 30-fold, 30 times what was sown, 60 times, even 100 times. Now, you need to kind of put yourself in the sandals of first century people and imagine 100 times the crop of what was sown. That's not how it works. In fact, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that you reap what you sow. You sow, and then you get back what you, what you sowed. You don't get back 30 times. You don't get back 60 or 100 times. A miracle has happened. Something crazy has happened. The listener, this is, this is the key to, to hearing parables, especially these little stories, is listen for the turn. Listen for the punchline. If it was a joke, we'd all be laughing. We're not laughing because we're scratching our heads going, that doesn't sound right. How in the world could seeds give a hundredfold harvest? 
hundred times what was expected, what should have came from it. That's what people are supposed to be, that's what we're supposed to be thinking when we hear that. Whoa! This is a crazy story. Is this like science fiction? And so what does, Je- what does Jesus say? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. In fact, he started the parable by saying, listen up. Put on your listening ears, kids. Eyes and, hear- eyes and ears up here, right? Something like that. Pay attention. Did you- are you getting this? Well, his disciples later on were scratching their heads too and wondering, how could this miracle happen? How could this happen? What's going on here? So, he says to them, the very first thing he says to them when they're asking about the parables, he's going, well, let me tell you, let me explain the parable to you. No, that's not the first thing he says. The very first thing he says to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. Okay, Jesus, stop talking to us in parables and just give us plain speech, right? His disciples asked him about that in John 13 through 16. Would you please just start talking plainly and not use figures of speech because then we can understand? What does he mean by the secret of the kingdom of God? And it's been given to them. Well, the New American Standard Bible helps us out a little bit. The little slightly different translation says, To you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. The old King James Version used the same word. The mystery of the, king, uh, of the kingdom of God. And you know why they used the word mystery back in the old King James time? Because the word in Greek is mysterio. Sounds like mystery. And uh, how do you translate a word that doesn't quite have the same meaning in English? There's like, what English word would we use? So uh, good old um, Tyndale back there said, let's use the word mystery. Let's just, let's just turn that Greek word into an English word. And that, got, that stuck. And so, you know, that, that's what gave... Arthur Conan Doyle, his career. You know, he could write mysteries and Agatha Christie and the rest. Well, what is a mystery? What was a mystery in Jesus' time? A mystery was not a, ooh, suspenseful story. What's going to happen? Who done it? That's not what a mystery was. A mystery was something that had, that was hidden, but was going to be revealed and there was a revealer to reveal it. Something that you could not discover on your own. So, a, a mystery in the Bible is not something that we try to figure out. It's not something that we seek out. It's not something we look for clues for. So be careful about assuming that every time you see secret or mystery in the Bible, that you need to start looking for clues. It's something that's revealed to us. The mystery of the kingdom of God was given to them. And he says it was already, it has been given to you. They already had the mystery. They already had, wait a minute, how can you have the mystery? Those outside, everything is confusing. Parables. So what was it 
that the people on the inside, what was it that the 12 had that nobody else had? Jesus. They had Jesus. They had Him. They had Him. He was right there. He was with them. What's the kingdom of God all about? When Jesus came announcing the kingdom of God, what was He announcing? The king has arrived. I am here. It starts now. It's not in a far-off future time that you're waiting for. It's not a time in which uh, the heavens open and the earth is transformed. It's now. Well, the disciples found out that there is a next. <laughs> there is a not yet aspect to it as well. But in Jesus' ministry, he's revealing himself. The kingdom of God, the mystery, is known. Every time you see mystery, it means something that has already been revealed. So, that I don't have all my references, because I don't have all my notes in front of me right now, but I am going to flip to Colossians, because I know it's in there somewhere. And in Colossians chapter 2, um, Jesus, or, uh, excuse me, Paul is explaining... It's chapter 1 and chapter 2. But Paul is explaining um, his ministry to the, 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 the church in Corinth. And he's explaining to them that what they have is something that has been revealed to them that other people in the past didn't have. And so, he says this, I'm just going to read the, the section in context. Um, Colossians chapter 1, beginning at verse 24, he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make... The Word of God fully known. Are you listening? Listen. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what I am reading to you. To make the Word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to His saints. What has been revealed? What is this mystery? He goes on. Verse 27, he says, To them, to them, God cho chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so, and in another place, Paul uses this word mystery again. He uses it in Ephesians, and he's referring to the mystery of Christ and of his gospel. The mystery is that the Messiah has come. The King, long awaited for, has come. He has arrived. He is Jesus. He's the one you need. He's the one you need to listen to. But those on the outside would not accept him. Who was on the outside? Last week we looked at that in, in chapter 3. Who was on the outside? His family. The people who knew him best said, no, you can't, no, this is not right, Jesus. You know, you, we, saw, we saw you grow up. 
You know, we know where you've been. We know where you're from. There's no way you can be the Messiah. Who else rejected him? The scribes of the Pharisees? They came and said, he has a demon. He's oppressed by, or possessed by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. We saw that. They are on the outside. And so what happens? Jesus, remember what Jesus said? When they, the crowd said to him, Hey, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. He said, Who are my brothers? Or my mother and my brothers? It's the people on the inside sitting right around here. Right around me. It's the people who have, who have heard the call and have said, Yes, I want to be one of his disciples. I want to spend time with Jesus, and I want to do and to go what he tells me to do and where he tells me to go. Those were the ones who had received the secret of the kingdom of God because they had received the mystery, Jesus himself. But everyone else still scratching their heads. So, Jesus is prodding his disciples. Listen, listen to this. How are you going to respond to this? Are you going to understand this? Are you going to receive me? This parable of the sower and the seeds and the soils is a parable about the king coming and what he is doing. So then he explains it. It's, a, it's, it's the kingdom is growing by this miracle of God how is that happening? We're going to look at that in a second. This miracle, which is the mystery, but it's also about multiplication. The sower sows the word. Thank you, Jesus, for explaining to us what this seed meant. It's the word. What word? This is a, the word logos, okay? Now you know, all right? If you didn't know, if you had never heard that word before, logos. It's, an old, it's a good old Greek word, and you can impress your friends at parties. The word is logos. And this is a word that he has been... This is not the first time this, this little word has shown up in this gospel. Jesus has been preaching the word. He's been, been proclaiming the word. So the word is the good news of the kingdom. So the sower is sowing the word. Who's the sower in this context? Well, Jesus. Jesus has come proclaiming the word. He's the one preaching about the kingdom of God. He's the one presenting himself. So what happens? Some people hear this word, and Satan immediately comes and takes the word that's sown in them. You know, who, who's done that so far in the story? Scribes, Pharisees, right? They're hearing the word. They're hearing the words coming out of his mouth, but they're not accepting it. And immediately, it's taken away from them. But then there are those who are on rocky ground, they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but they don't have any root in themselves, and they endure for a while, tribulation, persecution comes, they fall away. Well, where is that happening in the story? We haven't quite seen it yet, but let me tell you, it will. John's gospel helps us see that in a really, really specific way. That the crowds start to fall away from Jesus because Jesus tells them difficult things. He says, this is not easy. This is not going to be good. You're going to go through difficulties. Jesus has a lot more to say about tribulations and about persecutions that we will see as we work our way through the gospel of Mark. His disciples will experience it. 
And what will happen to them at the end is they will fall away. They will, they will take off when things get difficult. Praise God that the kingdom grows by a miracle. He takes people who fall away and he restores them to himself. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Then there are those people who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things, they choke the word and it becomes or it proves unfruitful. These are those folks who are like, well, I, um, I like this Jesus idea. I really do. Um, in fact, I love the message. I just really like all that talk about loving people, and I like all that talk about having peace and getting and having help when you need help, and and um, and just kind of all that good good stuff that I can, we can generally accept. Um, but when it comes down to it, I've got other things to do. The things I've got going on in my life are a higher priority than Jesus. Um, I've got a job. I've got to get ahead. I, I've got stuff that I love so much. And I want more of it. We live in that culture. <laughs> we live in that culture. And so any of you who are sitting here going, well, that's not me. I'm not me. I'm not. Um, how much time do you spend... How much time do you spend on your smartphone <laughs> rather than sitting at the feet of Jesus? A few times lately, that's really got me. Oh my gosh. If this thing is not helping me get closer to Jesus, then I need to, I need to measure it out a bit. I need to, I need to, I need to trim that back a bit. There are things in this world, things that we care about deeply, things that in and of themselves may not be sinful, but they can become a barrier to us. Look, I've got this patch of, of ground next to my house, and um, it's got grass in it. There's grass that grows there. But also there are weeds that grow there. <laughs> and the problem with that patch of ground is that it's not hooked up to my irrigation, so it never gets any water. And so it's never being cultivated, and I don't spend enough time um, removing the weeds and killing the weeds. And so because of that, the grass grows a little bit, and then it starts to be less productive, less fruitful. It produces less and less. Because you cannot grow a garden in a bed of weeds. You just cannot. And you cannot grow your life in the world like that. You cannot grow your life in the thorns and the thistles and the weeds of the world. So there's something about that that Jesus is pointing out. He said, look, the kingdom of God is coming 
and it's and it's and the word is going out, but people are going to hear it and go, "Oh, that sounds really great." But then they're like, "Oh," because they've got other things to do. This is not this is not an allegory, but Jesus is 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 making a point about his disciples, about his followers at this point. But he says those who were that were sown on the ground, or excuse me, on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. What are they doing? They're hearing the words. That word here has happened 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, uh, 6, 7, 8 times in this passage. Hearing is important. Paul says it in, in Romans chapter 10. People are not going to believe unless they hear the word. The word needs to be spoken. The, the word needs to be sent out. They cannot accept it unless they hear it. But just hearing the word week after week is not going to make you fruitful. That just hearing the word is not going to make you a disciple. It's those who accept it. What does that mean? That is not, that is not I accept that that's true. That's not what he's mean. That's not what he means by that. In other parts, in other places in the Bible, it's sometimes translated as receive or something like that. Here's what it means. When you hear the word, you go, that's it. That's true. That's what I want. That's what I need. That's what my life is going to be about from now on. That's what it means to accept the word. There will be those who hear God's word sown in their hearts, and then they will accept it. And they will say, I'm going to live off, based off of that. Here's, a, here's a, good ex, uh, a good illustration of that. In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus tells the parable of the two men who build a house. One builds a house on a, a, a rock, a, a good foundation, builds his house. And guess what? When the storms came and the floodwaters rose up, that house was not knocked down. It stood firm because it was built on the rock. And then there was that one who said, I'm going to build my house on the sand. And when the floods came and the storm rose, that house fell with a great crash. What was the point he was making? He was making it about those who hear his word and put it into practice. They do it. They listen to him and they obey. They say yes to Jesus. And then they're on board with whatever he has for their life. That is the only way we bear fruit. And Jesus is saying 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. It's a miracle that God is doing that in His people, that God is doing that in the kingdom, that God is doing that through multiplication. We heard from Isaiah 55 not long ago. In that, in that passage, did you hear that? 
For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's word will grow. See, all around, people are scratching their heads going, well, why in the world is the word going on that, that hard ground? Why is the word being sown to people like that and the devil's just snatching it away? Why is the word being sown on rocky ground? Well, that doesn't make any sense. Why is the word being sown in thorns? People, people hear it, and then uh, the, the worries of this wife, this, this, this life of materialism and, and, and money and, and uh, stuff and, and, uh, and everything you can think of to spend your life doing is choking the word out. Jesus came to announce the kingdom of God to everybody. He's not telling us to discriminate on where we, where we scatter seeds. <laughs> the kingdom grows through a miracle of God, through the mystery of Jesus, through multiplication of His people who are obeying Him. Why does He say, do you not understand? Because He's turning it over. He's shifting the emphasis from all about this kind of abstract, God is doing this thing through Jesus and through the kingdom of God, and He's shifting it, and He's putting it right in the lap of His disciples. What about you? Are you going to hear this and accept it and live off of it? When Jesus was tempted, he quoted Deuteronomy chapter 8. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So then Jesus came, the king, announcing the kingdom. And what did he do? He came as the word. When he, said, when, when he says the sower sows the word, the logos, John picks that up. And in John 1, he says, the Logos, in the beginning, was the Logos, the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in John 1, 14, he says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, made his home here. Why did he do that? So that all who would receive him, right here, same word, Accept, receive, and believe in his name. He would give the right to become children of God. So, but Jesus came announcing this kingdom, but that's not all he did. Because what he did was he, he also taught us that unless a seed, unless a little grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it cannot produce. John chapter 12. So what did Jesus do? He came. This is the mystery. He came. He didn't just announce the kingdom and said, you guys get on board. Doggone it. Stop being like that, like that, like that. He came to a bunch of people who would never, ever bear fruit. Ever. 
unless he did it. He is the seed that was buried in the ground but rose again. That's the mystery of the kingdom of God. And that is the secret to multiplication. That is the only word that the church has to sow. So how shall we respond to this? How shall we live? Let me tell you, that word needs to be in you. Jesus needs to be in you. His words need to be in you. The words that, that, that pronounce or that announce his words need to be in you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Colossians 3.16. That's what we need. So, here's what he did. He looked at the crowds. This, this huge crowd out there, and they're all hearing the word. And guess what? None of them were going to bear fruit unless his, he himself died. And then what did he do? He took a handful, a handful, 12 people, a few other stragglers, their families who followed him and listened to him. In Acts chapter 1, there's about 120 people. They're already starting to grow, right? They're already starting. We're already seeing that. And then multiplication. Chapter 2. Jesus' word is sown, and people respond and multiply. 3,000 back in chapter 4, and more were added daily. And they, they spoke the word, the Logos, boldly, without fear. And then in chapter 6, and then many more multiplied, and it just on and on and on. The people took the seed with them wherever they went, and they sowed it liberally. And, and guess what? Here we are. Millions and millions of people who put their faith in Jesus. Multiplications, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, 1,000-fold, a million-fold. That's what the seed does. That's what Jesus has done. The kingdom grows and it's going to continue to grow until he comes again. We have a part of that. So let me say this. If you're discouraged, if you're discouraged about the lack of fruit, keep pursuing him. Keep spending time. Just do what he's asked you to do. Come to him and sit at his feet and be in his presence. Then go where he tells you to go. Be obedient to him and see the seed grow. See the word grow. See multiplication happen. I don't know what he has for the River Church or for you and your families, but I do know this, that God is the one who makes it grow. He's got this. And Jesus does. Let's, let's stick with him. Let's continue to be people of the word and see him do this hundredfold work all around us. Amen? Let me pray for you. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you have taught us today. You love us. You are gracious to us. We have your word. We have your son, Jesus, the mystery of the kingdom. Thank you. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing a song.